Welcome to The Read-Along. A mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one One chapter chapter at at a time. Fest, Canada's original non-fiction festival, runs from October 17th to 27th in Edmonton. Venues across the city will play host to authors and presenters from home and afar, giving their perspectives on true crime, historic mysteries, gender identity, mental health, food culture, and many topics in between. You can see a full list of presenters right now at litfestalberta.org. Festival passes are sold out, but you can get tickets to individual events. Get yours today at litfestalberta.org and use offer code APNROCKS19 for $5 off your ticket. So in Interlude 3 of our novel... (laughs) All three pages of it. It was a a short and brief encounter between two Elsel Station counselors where uh, the one counselor who arguably knows the most about what's going on finally spills the beans about what his master plan is. Uh, sort of. Which uh, might work out for Elsel Station. Definitely won't work out for the Texcolonly Empire. <laughs> well, might work out for Elsel Station, except for the part where he didn't tell his plan to everybody. Or, let's be clear, anybody. anybody. And uh, someone else may have completely screwed it up. Well, not completely. Uh, but definitely threw a monkey wrench in it. Sabotaged a really big monkey wrench in it. Uh, speaking of monkey wrenches, there was an issue uploading our last episode, our 100th episode, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yes. Um, if you listened to it and it was episode 99 all over again, uh, delete it, re-download it, re-listen to it. That was fixed, but obviously you will need to re-download the episode. Yeah, if, you're, uh, if you think we're going from 99 to 101, uh, yes, our bad. But we did fix it. Yes. Uh, (laughs) You just need to go back. And uh, if you need to listen to Interlude 3, it's a short, like, 20-minute listen. We will be right here when you come back. Oh, yeah. Now's your time to pause. Ready? Go. Okay. So now that we're all caught up, let's carry on. To Chapter 17 of A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin. Time for some flavor flavors. Ah, oh, such flavors. So the first thing we learn in the flavor text is that Eleven Conifer's death is being covered up. Yes. Yes. So to me, the first thing that screams is, spy! Who's the spy? Eleven Conifer. Well, yeah, he was working for someone and tried to assassinate the Elsa Station ambassador. Yeah. Or at least get something from her. There was but- speculation that it was more of a botched robbery than an actual assassination attempt. Yeah, but, I don't know, based on the choice of murder weapon, I would argue assassin versus burglary. Also, uh, a burglary wouldn't be covered up like this. So that screams a little more to the spy end of things. Well, definitely someone has decided that they don't want his name to be linked to 
an assassination attempt or any sort of misconduct. So it's been swept aside as, oh, a tragic stroke. Oh, how sad. Yeah, and his genetic descendant, one conifer, is now going to be going through a battery of tests to make sure that he doesn't have the same genetic defect. Poor guy doesn't know that it was actually murder. Oh, if that's even a real person. One conifer? Yeah. I believe one conifer is a real person. All right. Over on Elsel Station... At the exact same time, you'll note. Yes, they've uh, noticed the Legion of Texcalonli battle cruisers en route. Yep. And a pilot is like, um, hey guys, what 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 do we do about this? Because there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I believe the words she used were Legion on the move. Yeah. Something like that. And they're on the way, so. Yeah. Like, this is too big a threat for us to do anything about it. Like, these guys are going to come tromping through. Yeah. And we, they're too big for us to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it sparked a question that I really should have been asking a lot sooner. So I'm a little embarrassed that it took me this long okay. to ask this to myself. Um, what does the Empire know that LaSalle doesn't? Where are they going? They're going to Annex Elsa Station. They are made they? that pretty clear. Are they, though? Because they've been doing this since before the war was announced. They've been lining up battle cruisers since before the war was announced. Yeah. But I don't think that they've been going anywhere. So you think that the Texcalonli ships are like legitimately just trying to push their borders and don't know what they're heading into? Well, you've admittedly planted a seed of doubt. And the reason I say that is because there's still quite a bit of book left. Mm-hmm. And it would be an interesting 11th hour swerve. If Mahit finally makes it back to the Emperor and is like, you need to go and fight these others, and the Emperor is like, oh, yeah, I know they're there. Yeah, yeah, that's why why do you think we're going? Uh, that That would be quite a twist. Yeah. And it would pull the rug out from under Mahit and us once again. Agreed. But I don't know. We don't really have evidence that they do know that they're out there. Elso Station's been keeping it pretty quiet, and Elso Station's the one closest to them. Mm-hmm. And only one counselor has really been aware of them for a while. So it's possible that it's possible the Empire knows that there's potentially something out there, but I don't think they recognize that it's a threat. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, granted, very few people on LaSalle Station know what's out there, mm-hmm. right? And know that... The the plan, in air quotes, is to actually have the warships come through. Mm-hmm. That's actually what they want. Well, that's What is it, happening is what Tarats wants. Well, no. Kind of. What is happening is that the battle stations are going to park themselves at Elsel Station and say, congratulations, welcome to the Empire. And then Elsel Station ceases to be sovereign territory. And that seems to be the last thing that Darge Tarats wants. What Darge Tarats wants is for them to pass through Elsel Station space, go through the gate on the other side of the system, and never come back. Okay, fine. I don't think he's going to get his wish. Oh, probably not. I don't think anyone's going to get their wish by the end of this book, to be honest. We'll have to wait and see. One person does get their wish, and that is Mahit, awakening from the surgery, (laughs) not brain-damaged and dead. It's true. She seems to be all there. For the most part, at the very least. Functionally, they're if battered and exhausted and in dire need of more recovery. Well, yeah, she's just been through a fairly major surgery. But there is, alas, as has been the case for the last, what, week and a half of her life. (laughs) No time. No time time. for any such rest or recuperation. 
Um, the good news as well is that Elder Yaskander's Imago does appear to be active in her system. Yeah. So she now has a functioning Yaskander again. Yeah. Though with, with a slight trace of the younger Yaskander still kind of floating around there as well. Well, yeah. Like, they were as integrated as they were, right? The, yeah. Maybe not fully, but he's still there. Well, and there's there's kind of like a... retains a part of him. Yeah, right? there's an echo of him there. And it's enough that there's a weird sort of doubling effect initially. Yeah. As she thinks back on some memories that both Elder and Younger Yaskander shared. And she's kind of nauseated by it. Right. And she pretty much confirms in her inner dialogue something that we had surmised in an earlier chapter, that installing a new Imago, certainly a duplicate Imago, is just not done. This no, is we're little, way out in the weeds. A little messy in the brain. Yeah, we're we're way out in the weeds here with Mahit. Uh doing something that even in her own culture just doesn't really get done. Yeah. Well, because it probably doesn't seem like a really good idea to have even two of the same person in your head. Yeah, she kind of laments missing the younger Yaskander and Elder Yaskander hilariously is like, oh, I totally miss that guy too. Who wouldn't miss being 26 years old? <laughs> right. He was young and virile. Uh, which I thought was quite amusing. Uh, Yaskander spends the first little bit kind of probing in her memories and getting himself up to speed. Mm-hmm. Well, he's never been an Imago before. And he's also never been in her head before. Right. And he needs to get caught up on the situation. Yes. So and, they, have, they have a little brain talk. Yeah, and he... Admits he's kind of impressed at just how much trouble she's gotten them into. (laughs) And uh, she kind of chides him back like, we're only in this trouble because of the trouble you got us into. I'm in trouble. You started it. Yeah. And she also makes it kind of clear that they need to recalibrate what the plan is moving forward because they don't necessarily have the same priorities. True. And now at least they can share information. Yes. So I I feel like she's she's finally getting... At least up to speed, if not a step ahead. Yeah. She's finally got all the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. At least all the pieces of the puzzle that Yaskander had. And that makes for a, a pretty decent picture. Agreed. So she, I think at the very least, Mahit finally knows what's going on. Yeah. Helpful. For the first time in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, she might not know exactly what all the other movers and shakers are up to, but at the very least, she knows where she stands. Yes. And that's... That's something. That's that's uh, the first real step forward she's had <laughs> all book. All right. Also, she is alone because she's been asleep for like five hours. She's been asleep for like 11 hours. No, we find out later in the chapter. Well, she was only in surgery for three or four. Yeah, but it's been 11 hours total. And yeah. she, I mean, so she was under asleep. for the surgery. Yeah, so. so she's been asleep for a while. Um, so she's by herself in this room and takes advantage of that with her new Yaskander to be like, all right, let's decode some message... Well, it's just you and I here. Yeah, and Yaskander's 100% on board with this. He's like, yeah, let's get to work. Yeah. And Um, then they do some math. One thing I kind of liked about the elder Yaskander, who for all intents and purposes is a new character we're getting to know now. More or less, We We knew the younger Yaskander, and while there is elements of the younger Yaskander there, this is a Yaskander with years more experience. He's a different person than he was. Mm -hmm. And... It's refreshing to see that there's still some of the old Yaskander there, though. Like, he's trying to put Mahit at ease. He's being a little jocular with her, which actually gets her to laugh a few times, despite the dire circumstances yeah, that they're in. and the fact that it hurts to laugh. Yeah. And I thought that was that was refreshing. He's still Yaskander, even if he's a different Yaskander. Yeah. Well, of course he's still Yaskander. Just older. Yeah. Right? Like, he's still him. There's still enough familiarity, at least on her side. 
Because she knew Yuskander when he was a younger man. Yeah. You might say. Right? And now that she's met him again when he's older, eh, he's still Yuskander. Just different. More or less. Indeed. Yeah. She goes fishing around for some pencils. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the the cipher is uh, a mathematical cipher. Yes. And Yuskander's like, so here's the deal. It'll probably be easier to work out with a pen and a piece of paper. Yeah. And she's, at the very least pleased that the information is not something that she has to drill herself on because apparently this is a cipher that took Yaskander weeks of study to memorize oh yeah uh, apparently this is what he did on his journey between the station and the planet was was learn his cipher yeah but Mahit just basically has it shared with her instantly mm-hmm. it's like realizing that you know how to play the trumpet one day yeah he learned it so she doesn't have to exactly and this is from what we understand, very much one of the things that the Imago is supposed to do when it's working. Yeah, right? And like, something that she was deprived of. Mm-hmm. So now she's fully functional again, yeah. if you will. Tarat's message, when she finally gets it uh, decoded, is very frightening. Y- yes. Uh, it amounts to, and I'm paraphrasing, tell the Texcalanli about the others, tell them they're prepared to invade, and tell them that unless they turn their forces against them, we won't tell them where they're invading from. Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty good paraphrase yeah. of what he said. Uh, he used, uh, Tarats here in the message, used a phrase that uh, spooked me a little. He said, provide provable knowledge. And I was like, oh, Lord, what proof does Mahit suddenly have of this terror in the middle of nowhere space? Well... She might have something, and it's possible Yaskander might know something, too. That That's true. can impart. And even if they don't have tangible, solid proof, Mahit is now finally armed with one ace. Uh, she's got an ace up her sleeve, does she? And that is the fact that if she she needs to convince the Emperor, basically, to do this. And she now has the Emperor's most trusted confidant riding around in her head. Oh, yes. And... If she can get him to believe that she is, for all intents and purposes, Yaskander, he will trust her. Yes, except there's a speed bump to that. She's already had an audience with the Emperor mm-hmm. and very and it tried very, very hard to prove that she wasn't Yaskander. Yeah, so therein lies the, uh, the wrinkle in this plan. Right. In the meantime, Yaskander's like, so this is pretty sensitive information and you need to, like, eat it. Because yeah, it's on a piece of paper. To, and destroy <laughs> it. So memorize it, destroy it, and then we need to go talk to the emperor. And she kind of calls him out on his bias there. She's like, you just want to see the emperor because you like the emperor. And Yaskander's like, yeah, and who else are we going to convince to send a battle fleet yeah. against the others? And she's like, good point. <laughs> well played, sir. My, my feelings aside, it's actually the best plan. Yeah. Yeah, all right. And uh, with that, she finally steps out of Five Portico's recovery room. Yes. And discovers three seagrass and 12 azalea basically quietly waiting for her in the in yeah. the family room. Yeah, patiently waiting for her on the sofa. Reading some magazines, listening At to the one music. One in the morning, as you do. Uh, drinking, the, drinking from a cup of coffee that came out of a machine. <laughs> Probably. Asking nurses for updates. <laughs> like they're in an old hospital from decades ago. Five Portico is nowhere to be seen, and Twelve Azalea is actually a little cagey about where she might have gone a little later in the uh, chapter. And we does, find out where she's gone. Yeah, but does he even know for sure? He, he, I think he suspects. Yeah. 
Three Seagrass just immediately throws herself into Mahit's arms against all cultural propriety. <laughs> oh my God, you're alive! Uh, and then only after the fact realizes, oh my God, I may have injured you. You are recovering from <laughs> are you okay? very delicate surgery. And they ask if the surgery worked. And Mahit kind of plays this neutral. Kind of? Yeah. The funny thing is, the way they were asking Mahit questions, it led me to believe that even after all of this, they still don't understand how an imago works. No, they don't. And Mahit's... Maybe not in the mood to explain it at this moment, but I get, I sure would be. I get the feeling that it's more than that. She really kind of downplays what's gone on. She's like, it's worked enough is her exact term. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically is like, I'm still me. And I think that it's one part she doesn't want to give either of them the impression that she's a different person and well, that she can't be trusted now. And I think it's partly because she doesn't want to tip her hand. Could be. And she's she, also not a different person. She's still Mahit. Yes, just Mahit with Yaskander layered in there. Yeah, that's all. She's still her. She's not going to become someone else, right? Though a little later in the chapter, she does slip into a bit of a Yaskander moment when she tells them both to shut up. <laughs> well, yeah, but... And she, like, recognizes that was that was Yaskander. Mm-hmm. Like... But that's not the same as him taking over, right? This isn't This isn't a body-snatching you know, weird puppet situation. No. And she's she's trying to impart that. But again, she's not exactly being forward with them because she's not saying, yes, the Imago integration worked perfectly and I now have full access. She says it worked enough. To be fair, she's only been awake a few minutes. She might not even know that she's fully functional. I think she just still doesn't fully trust either of them. Which is... Just as possible. And she still wants to keep some secrets to herself. And she's not yet ready to reveal that Yaskander is essentially alive inside of her again. Yes. No, I'm I'm not saying yours is wrong. <laughs> not at all. Because it's entirely possible. She also tells them that the next step is that she basically immediately needs to go see the Emperor. Yep. She needs to get back to the palace. Yeah. Between surgery and recovery, she's been out for 11 hours. And they need to move now because... Like, there's no time. Well, the good news is it's the middle of the night, so we know the Emperor will be awake. Yeah. That's that's how he rolls. Uh, Mahit's parched, so she asks Twelve Azalea to go get her drink, and that leaves her a moment alone with Three Seagrass. And Three Seagrass uses that alone moment to, again, double-check you're, you're still you. She walks up to, but not quite over the line of, I'm, I'm still ready to trust you. <laughs> yes. Which is... About probably as far as Three Seagrass is willing to go. She's only known this woman a week. Yeah. (laughs) And she's grown quite affectionate with her. Or is spying on her. One or the other. Don't know. Someone certainly thinks she might be a spy. Oh, yeah. Blatantly. All right. So, And and that's two lemon. Yes. So five portico comes back. Yes. With her rabble? Uh, I suppose entourage? Seditionists? Friends? I'm not sure. A group of people. Yes. Uh, one of whom is named Two Lemon. Yes. Who immediately recognizes Three Seagrass in her information ministry outfit. And and basically like, you have a spy here. Why is there a spy Why here? is there a spy here? Why did you bring me into the presence of a spy? Yeah. And they've like swept up 12 Azalea in the front room and he's just kind of like trapped between them. <laughs> Standing awkwardly with his glass of water. Which Mahit never gets to drink. No, poor thing. Um, Mahit 
kind of diffuses the situation a, a little by being like, no, this is my liaison. She is working for me. I'm the ambassador from Elsa Station, again, paraphrasing. And that actually buys some grudging respect from Two Lemon, who's like, oh, you're the Elsa Station ambassador. Yeah, they don't like you, so I guess we kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, they hate you, so you must be all right. And that's kind of what prompts the group to let them go, but also with a bit of like warning to not snoop in their business. And Mahit's like, these people are, are the people who've been like postering about the Odal insurrection yeah. and have been blowing up markets and, and stuff. The funny thing is, Mahit would really love nothing more than to stay. And find out what's going on. And find out what's going on. She wants to know. But at the same time, uh, there are more pressing matters. Yeah, especially because things have proceeded in the last 11 hours, as we learn. One Lightning has begun to land troops on the planet. We So his coup is underway. and Like, well underway. Three Seagrass, toward the end of the chapter, clarifies, no, it hasn't quite escalated to the point of a coup yet, but let's be fair. He's starting to coup. This is the beginning yeah, of coup. This is the start. Time, time is of the essence. He has laid out the coup board, and he's putting <laughs> his pieces down on the table. The coup are begun. <laughs> the coup done are is happening. Five Portico does ask for a couple minutes to check on her patient before they go. Very professional of her. And alone, Five Portico is able to reveal to Mahit that, yeah, it looks like the old Imago was damaged somehow. Right. Some of the some of the connections had been weakened. Looks like they any stress might have popped them. She she probably doesn't know what Shabatars looks like. Well, and Mahit even kind of is like, that's not that's not confirmation that anything untoward was done to the Imago, but it is at the very least confirmation that it wasn't her. Right. And that is peace of mind, because that means that she won't have to worry about the same thing happening, in theory, to the elder Yaskander now in her head. Right. And with that, they head out into the streets. Yeah. This, this whole bit gave me a very weird sense of dread, like the night before a major battle kind of sense of dread. Like there's the, the calm before the storm. Yes, exactly. Where she's like, okay, well, these people are gathering. Uh, one landing has landed troops. Something is going down. Nothing is happening yet. It is eerily quiet. Yeah. Kind of. Is in people are gathering, but nothing has started. Yeah. And like she even sees people like on the streets who are looking like they're gearing up for trouble. Right. But nobody's actually doing any trouble. No, nothing's happened yet. So it, it just gave me this overwhelming sense of dread, like, oh, get out of there before something goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Right? Before you get caught up in something that you need to stop. Well, and she, we're not, well, she's already caught up in something that she needs to stop. No, I know. But I mean, like, physically on the streets, like, don't get run, rushed by the mob. Get, get back to the palace and try to put a stop to things while you still can. Well, and therein lies the next obstacle in their path, getting back to the palace. They're out in the boondocks, and there's no trains running at this hour. And as 12 Azalea points out, if one lightning has landed troops, there's not going to be any trains in the morning no, either. No, there wouldn't be trains anywhere at all. So the next option is that they could walk back to the palace, but it's super impractical. It would be a day of yeah. walking. And Mahid is barely able to stand. Right? She, I, I'm surprised she doesn't fall over as they leave Five Portico's place. Yeah. Like, she's woozy. She just had major surgery. And so Three Seagrass proposes a bold plan. <laughs> You're not going to like it. Uh, she suggests they call in for a pickup with the information ministry. 
they spin it as they had caught wind of some insurrection, a Bruin, in Belltown 6. So they went to go and investigate. For some reason, they brought the Elso Station ambassador with them. And now they're kind of trapped there because the trains have shut down. Could someone send a car? 12 Azalea's like, this is a terrible plan. <laughs> you're right. I don't like this. Because you're burning my contacts, which is not super cool. Nope. And Three Seagrass is like, I'm at the very least willing to do it well away from the buildings. We're not calling the information ministry down on top of these people. Yes. As a courtesy <laughs> for uh, Five Portico not damaging my ambassador. And 12 Azalea begrudgingly is like, this. it probably is the fastest way back. The The sad part that he has to agree with is, yes, this is how we're going to get back to the palace in time. 12 Azalea is not the only person who doesn't super like this plan, actually. Well, no, because Yaskander brings up at this point a very good question, which I completely agree with and would like an answer to. How are they going to justify Mahit being there? Yeah. Out in the boondocks? Well, and that raises the further question of who is Three Seagrass working for? Well, the blanket brush-off umbrella answer would be, well, the information ministry, of course. And more specifically, Mahit as her liaison. Right. But we don't know who's in charge of the information ministry. We really don't. We have never learned that information. We know pretty much the name of every other ministry head. We've never learned who's in charge of the information ministry. And further to that point, we don't know who Three Seagrass is loyal to at all. No. And everything she does now makes me suspicious. And I'm going to blame that on you. You you planted that seed in my head. I didn't plant I'm like, that seed. She's ordering a car. Oh, is she out to get them. Well, and here's the thing: Mahit is also starting to get suspicious, and it might be a little bit from Yaskander, and it might be a little bit from Three Seagrass's actions. But she orders the car, and Mahit, before she passes out in the back seat, is like, "This is all too easy. Like we've been picked up by the car, we're headed back to the palace." And it was way too easy and to do. So far, no one has asked any questions. Nobody's asked any questions. Nobody's questioned why I'm out here. Uh, the sunlit haven't intervened. The mists haven't intervened. And these are people who are after us. One Lightning has troops on the ground. Uh, 30 Larkspur has agents about. Oh, yeah. yeah um, most definitely. And no one has stopped this from happening or, or intervened or attempted to uh, sideline the car. Something is up. Yes. That doesn't mean they won't have to answer questions when the car stops. Yes. And they get out of the car. But yeah, at, at the moment, they're safe in a car driving, but someone is going to ask questions, aren't they? And if they don't, that is fishy. Very. It's it's fishy because the situation that they're being extricated from is fishy. And if nobody asks any questions, that means that Three Seagrass has more pull than she's letting on. Yes. And that kind of leads back to what Yaskander was asking. Who are Three Seagrass's allies? And Mahit, her answer was, well, I am one of them. Like, her answer is basically, I trust Three Seagrass. And this is against Mahit's own better judgment. Because earlier in the book, she was like, if I let myself trust Three Seagrass too much, her betrayal is going to hurt worse. Oh, yeah. Because she sees it coming from a mile away, and she's like a deer in the headlights. Well, she's not, though... She's sort of forced into it, I think, because Mahit doesn't have very many allies. She even says so to Yaskander when mm -hmm. they're having a catch-up. She's like, I don't have very many allies. I have these two. 
basically. And one of whom I don't know if I can trust at all. Well, she fundamentally doesn't know if she can trust either of them. And the irony is that when we started the book, we were like, that 12 Azalea guy seems pretty untrustworthy. And now, arguably, (laughs) we trust him more than three seagrass. It's true. Because he's at least been a little more forward with his, his biases and his flaws. And he's put, really stuck his neck out for Mahit. And that's not to say that Three Seagrass hasn't, but we also have got a lot of information about Three Seagrass that's not very flattering of her. And kind of in contrast to the way she's been presenting herself to Mahit. Like, 12 Azalea just a few chapters ago was like, Reed over here <laughs> is self-interested and ambitious. And she would sell those people out in a heartbeat. We got a similar if she warning. Thought if she thought she could get ahead. We got a similar warning from 19 ads. Yeah. Um, right before the audience with the emperor. Watch out for this yeah, one. Yeah, watch this one. And she was like complimented by it. Yeah. Three Seagrass is, for as much as we know her and as much as she's been around in the book, she's still very much a cipher. We don't really know much about her. I... And the stuff that we know about her is not very flattering. And, and again, flies in the face of how she acts and what she does, which makes me wonder, which is the real Three Seagrass? I don't know. I desperately want to trust her, but you've convinced me that I can't. Well, but again, I'm, I'm just picking up on the context clues from the text. I know. Yaskander is the experienced voice of reason, and he's telling me he, you can't trust Three Seagrass. Twelve Azalea is her best friend, and he's telling me he, you can't, can't trust. trust Three Seagrass. Nineteen adds is a woman whose superpower is suspicion, and she <laughs> is telling her you can't trust Three Seagrass. And yet she's put all of her trust in Three Seagrass, and that does not look good. Like, it looks like we're headed to uh, a point where Three Seagrass is going to have to choose where her loyalty really lies, and I don't know if it really lies with Mahit. I don't know either. It depends on how much of her ambition relies on Mahit. Yeah, basically. And whose creature she is. We'll find out. Is she... Oh, God, I hope we find out. Is she Eight Loops' creature? Is she Thirty Larkspur's creature? Is she Nineteen Ads' creature? Is she One Lightning's creature? Is she the Emperor's creature? Is she Ten Pearl's creature? Does she work for the mysterious Minister of Information? Is she the mysterious (laughs) Minister of Information? We just don't know. I can only shrug in so many sounds. I don't know either. No, but I'm I'm asking these questions fairly rhetorically. I'm I'm putting them out there for our read-alongers to also consider. But uh, that is essentially where we leave up. Mahid is crammed into the back of a ground car with three seagrass and 12 azalea. She lapses into unconsciousness, and we have to wonder, are we en route to betrayal? And we'll have to wait to find out in Chapter 18. How much better... Would Mahit be at this if she wasn't constantly sleep-deprived? I mean, that would probably help. (laughs) The fact that she's mentally and physically worn down, like, definitely is not helping her situation. And I can't help but feel that it's partly intentional. Could be. And I don't mean intentional from a metatextual point of view. Well, I mean, yes. (laughs) The, uh, (laughs) The doylist view of it would be that, yes, it is intentional. It's to keep Mahit disoriented and on her feet and in peril so that we feel that tension. But the Watsonian perspective might be also that it's intentional, that there are forces working against her that are trying to keep her unbalanced and 
on her back foot and not able to figure out what's going on. Oh, it's entirely possible. Because there are several master manipulators who are moving her around the game board right now. Yep. We will find out. Read up on chapter 18 in time for next week. And uh, in the meantime, um, maybe there are some other local podcasts that you might want to check out. Oh, goodness, yes. Hi, my name's Kyle Marshall, and I'm the host of Putting It Together, a show that's part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. It's a show that's going through Stephen Sondheim's entire body of work, show by show and song by song. Now, if you don't know who Stephen Sondheim is, that's understandable. Not everyone is a super fan like me, but you might know him from this. I feel pretty. Or this. Send in the clouds. Or this. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. I would go so far as to label him the Shakespeare of our time. Each episode, I invite on a guest and we discuss the lyrics of the song, the interpretations it's had, and how it affects us as people. It's more than just a show about the music. So come along, every Wednesday a new episode is released. I can't promise you'll feel pretty afterwards, but you will be entertained. So there we go. Putting it together. Uh, fairly new to the Alberta Podcast Network. We have a new podcast for people to check out. My inner musical theater nerd is kind of shaking my head because I am familiar with Sondheim. And there are, oh, there's probably so much to dissect. <laughs> <laughs> Sondheim is known for being very wordy. Yeah. Any musical that has people talking on top of people on top of people singing, on top of people singing something else, that's probably Sondheim. Well, that's probably why he's going through it one song at a time. Not <laughs> even one show at a time. There's a reason they call it Into the Words. Indeed. As a, yeah, as a nickname. So yeah, uh, you can check that out and all of the other Alberta Podcast Network podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And you can also uh, give them a listen on the CKUA app where they're generously hosted. Yes, very much so. You can find us on social media. Yeah, the standard collection. I'm sure you've heard me say this many times before. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. Yeah, That's where on, we hang out. We're on Goodreads, and uh, you can join us there and uh, really anywhere. And just you know, let us know what you're thinking of the book, what you think of the podcast, etc., etc. If you want to send us a longer message, you can do it via email. It's true. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And as always, we'll see you next time where we get to answer space questions. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on goodreads.com.